0: Hello, people of Foundation Church and others, maybe. Today I'm going to do a recap of Sunday's sermon, which was called False, But Still a Prophet. And uh, the message was about John chapter 11, verses 45 through 54, where Jesus had just healed Lazarus and risen him from the dead or raised him from the dead and what happened afterward in fact chapter 11 verse 45 starts with the word then and that's what then is referring to then then when well then right after this incident occurred um, this miracle was such an incredible miracle that something had to be done one way or the other either you had to believe uh, or you know you had to admit you were going to just reject Christ the the miracle was um, in a stark way greater than the other ones you know turning water into wine walking on the water uh, healing sick people uh, even raising uh, the dead the people had just maybe died or you know the, the, the widow of Nain her son, her only son uh, you know, he was on his way to burial and even though these you know, other miracles had people being raised from the dead this was a situation where Lazarus, who was well known by everybody and people knew that he was sick and people knew that he was dying and people were there when he died there were a lot of Jews who were there when he died um, and they knew he was a friend of Jesus, so there were messengers. Uh, time goes by; he's in the ground for four days. Uh, he's at the point of decomposing, and he smells. He's wrapped in grave clothes. This miracle of of them having to roll the way of the stone and him coming out in the you know uh, in his in his mummies you know, mummy outfit, basically. This is huge. And when this is over, it says that many of the Jews that had been around then believed. But then it said there were these other folks. And what the other folks did was they realized that something needed to be done. That, in their own words, if something isn't done about Jesus, everyone... In Jerusalem, everyone in Israel will believe in him, and so he's got to be stopped. And in my message, I likened it to how World War One started. You know, give the give the right people the wrong information at the right time, uh, and you may not be the one who does something, but you you know uh, that what they're going to do with this information. You know, in World War One, there was a man whose name was Gavrielo Princip, and he was a, uh, a Serbian national, and he would hang around a bunch of these radicals, and they, there was this bar uh, in Sarajevo, and uh, they would sit around and they would talk about, what are we going to do about these, these Austrians? And they hated them. Uh, they had a leader of their country, and his name was Franz Joseph. In fact, we were just at his palace, and we were visiting over there. Pretty incredible stuff. But he had an heir, and and he, he was an old guy. And when he was about ready to die, he had an heir. And he, his name was, he was the Archduke uh, Ferdinand. And so he and his wife came to Sarajevo, and they were going to they were going to do something that would really really you know they were making a, they were making a point of being there in this place at this time and it was very upsetting to the serbians who hated these who hated them so anyway so these guys are all uh gathered in this coffee or in this in this bar and uh a guy comes in knowing that all these radicals are in here knowing they're all sitting around thinking something's got to be done we got to stop these people they're angry about Archduke Ferdinand and his wife visiting and he basically sets a piece of paper down on the table giving the published parade route and so you know the rest is history literally so you know I won't go into the whole story but you know Gabriello, uh, Princip and a bunch of these guys I think there are six of them actually they go along the parade route with bombs and guns and stuff, and, and they they fail, you know, the first few people who try it fail, but eventually, uh, Gabriella Princip uh, kills the Archduke and his wife. This is this is what changed history, which caused World War One and ultimately even World War Two. So I'm throwing that out to say these guys were coming. And they were giving this information about this miracle not as a way of spreading good news but as a way of trying to incite violence. And obviously it worked. So they go to the Pharisees and the chief priests and in particular Caiaphas, the high priest was there and you'll read in the story it says he was high priest that year. Um, Part of the, you know, part of the backstory here is that a high priest was supposed to be a high priest for the rest of his life. And so to say that this man is a high priest and he's a high priest this year basically was pointing out the fact that they had this, this position was, you know, you could be given this position for political reasons or you could purchase it. Uh, and of course they were very, very corrupt people. Uh, the Jews at the time they had had a system that ran kind of like parallel to the Romans. The Romans let them have their own government under the under the Roman government, and they, they were they had a lot of power and influence. Well, anyway, the high priest Caiaphas he was there, and so when he and these guys get together, their main worry is something's got to be done. To stop this man, because if something isn't done, then everyone's going to believe him. And then they kind of followed a train of logic. And their train of logic is okay, if everybody believes him, then the people will rise up, and then that will cause the Romans to have to deal with us. And then the Romans will, you know, we'll lose our place in the government, we'll lose our ability to be able to have our own uh government within their government uh we may lose the temple and so they they were trying to preserve what they thought was important now you'll notice that in the story nowhere does it say that there are any concerns that the miracles aren't legitimate uh and there's nowhere in this where anybody accuses Jesus of being sinful and ungodly or deserving to die, and so the point really of the message, uh, even though the title honestly doesn't really reflect the, the the main thrust of what I talked about in the message, uh, that that's part of it. But the deal is, is that these guys knew what they were doing was wrong, but they did it because they thought that it would give them a right result. And honestly, I don't know that in a podcast I can uh, redo what I preached because I I felt very inspired when I did it. But you will see that in John chapter 11, in the narrative between verse 45 and 54, the rationale is, is something that actually happens to us quite a lot. Is we're going to do this thing that we know is wrong because if we don't, this bad thing is going to happen to us. It's the only way out. Now, in our readings, we read from, um, in the Old Testament, we read Genesis 19, which I would encourage you to go back and read. Read the story of Lot after he comes out of Sodom, and he asks if he can have a place to go live, and they give him this place called Zor. Zor. And he goes there, but for whatever reason, he doesn't really want to live there. And so he goes and he lives in a cave. So he's there with his two daughters. And in the cave with his two daughters, the daughters see that their dad is old. They see there are no men around. uh, And they say, there's no way for us to get married. There's no way for us to have children. And, And we want to have children. And we want to be able to carry on. Our family name. So they wanted to do something good. You know, we encourage our children to get married and have children, and we want this. Um, and, and it wasn't as though Lot's daughters were somehow, you know, lascivious or desirous of their father in some perverted way. Um, but they were willing to do something that was really, really wrong and sinful so that they could accomplish this good thing of carrying on the family name. So what do they do? They get their dad intoxicated, and the older daughter goes in unto him, and the younger daughter goes into him the next night. Both of them get pregnant, and the Bible tells us there in Genesis 19 that out of those unions come the Ammonite people and the Moabite people, that those people come From the descendants of Lot's daughters. So, what you have here, you have a couple things, and we'll get back to it. But here you have girls who want to do something good. They want to have children. They want to be mothers. They want to carry on their family name. They don't want their dad's name to end right there. They want to carry it on. And so, what do they do? They do something wrong so that they can do something good. And we do this a lot. Now we may not realize how often we do it, but if you think about it, and uh, you're, you're going to find yourself in some circumstances where you might be making these same kind of equivocations, and that is actually happening in the story here with Caiaphas and Jesus uh, and the Pharisees here, which we'll we'll get back to. Um, I really want my girls to get married. I've got. Three beautiful daughters. I was looking around the church on Sunday and I'm thinking, look at all these wonderful girls. We have invested in teaching them the things of God, given them a love to want to be godly mothers, uh, you know, so they can raise children, have lots of babies for the kingdom of God, raise them up to serve the Lord. But where are the guys? You know, we have some guys, but we don't have enough guys in our own church to marry these girls. And you know, I could imagine uh, kind of getting a panic about that and finding ourselves going, well, you know, hey, well, my daughter met this guy down at Tony's Coney's and he is a pretty sweet guy, I, you know, and although he's not a Christian, um, there is no other guy and, and maybe we can get him to come to our church and maybe, you know, maybe if he doesn't become a Christian, at least my daughter can... She can raise the Christian children that will come from this, from this marriage. And so what we do? So we do the wrong thing so that we can get what we see in our mind is the right thing. We, here we're going to get grandchildren. We're going to get kids for the church and kids for our daughters to raise for the kingdom of God. Do you see the logic? Do something wrong like they were going to propose here with Jesus. Kill an innocent man to save the nation. So when you get into the story and you listen to the rationale, this is what what Caiaphas says. He says, it is expedient. The best thing for us to do right now is to kill Jesus. And this innocent man dying for the nation is going to save the nation. Now, this is where the title of my message came in, False But Still a Prophet. You see, he was right. Now, the scripture said because he was the high priest at the time that he didn't realize that he was prophesying under the Spirit of God. His argument that Jesus died as an innocent man to save the nation of Israel was a true prophecy, even though he was a false man himself. He's false, but still a prophet. And God uses us, even when we do horrible, horrible things. Uh, you know, and I even talked about Samson. You know, God said he's going to be a deliverer. He's going to be a judge, uh, but what does he do? He dishonors his parents. He goes wanting to marry a Philistine girl. He's running around with this Delilah, and uh, all these bad things. All the things that happen that are considered the exploits of him as a judge, the killing of all these Philistines, all happens through uh, revenge, uh, you know, and and spite, and none of it happens because of the glory of God or. Uh, until at the very end, of course he dies, and when he dies he more of more people die in his death than through his whole life, which is a, such a shameful thing. He was strong enough he could have delivered Israel and done it for righteous reasons, but he did it just so he could have the girl he wanted and and you know he was angry that they put his eyes out, so even though he is Still a judge, you know. God still—he's still what God said he was going to be. It really isn't uh, an example-worthy kind of a guy. Nobody wants to be a Samson. I don't want any of my kids to be one. I would love them to do great things for the kingdom of God, but I don't want them to do it that way. But anyhow, so so as we go, you can read it yourself. Uh, in John eleven, we hear. Uh, Caiaphas saying, "It's expedient that Jesus die to save our nation." And his argument was this: You know, if not, all the people are going to believe in him. They're going to rise up against the Romans. Then the Romans are going to crush us, and we're going to lose. And and so, in order to save our nation, of course, he was thinking of saving the nation in a you know fleshly sort of a way. He wasn't really thinking about. Salvation in the way that we think of it, he's thinking of it more like being saved, as in someone throws a life preserver to you when you're out in the water about to drown. So here we have the people there. He tells he tells me says you people don't know anything. Now John throws in here uh, that because he was high priest that that. He was speaking this not of himself, but this was something of God. Oftentimes, we don't even know when God is using us. Uh, when we are, at, when we as elders, um, when we as fathers, uh, you know, members of presbytery, uh, government leaders, we don't know. We don't know when God's using us. I mean, here we have Donald Trump on Sunday calling it a national day of prayer for the flood victims. And we go, you know, what a bad guy this guy's been, you know, the nasty things he said, the nasty things he's done. Uh, we know what kind of a guy he is. And here he is calling a national day of prayer, which we observed on Sunday. Um, the Bible says, and we, this was one of our readings too, from Romans chapter 11, that God is the one who establishes all power and you know, the, it, it 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 goes through this whole thing. The whole chapter is a great chapter to read on this subject. How the gifts and callings of God, are, without repentance. That God, you know, God set Donald Trump up to be the president, and he may do an incredible thing with this incredibly, coarse character. Uh, and so, anyway, I guess there was a lot of subject matter on Sunday. <laughs> But back to this whole justification of wrongdoing because we're afraid. You know, Calvin said it this way. He said, there's an argument that we make sometimes that in order to save the body, he said he said a man to say, in order to save the body, we're only going to let someone thrust uh, their knife into our chest. Or to save our body, we're only going to let someone cut our throat. Um, we will find out that those kind of equivocations don't work out for us and we end up losing everything. Not only were Caiaphas' words an actual, actually fulfilled words of God, and he ended up being, although not just uh, he was a false man, but he ended up finding that he was still a prophet. Um, We also find, if you look back into the life of lot and his daughters and you look and you find who those people were yes those things were ungodly but who was a Moabite but Ruth herself and Ruth we know ends up being um, one of the 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 um, forerunners one of the great-grandparents of David and of course David of Christ so, anyway, God is merciful to us. He's good to us. And uh, we need to be careful about trying to find ourselves in a place where we are finding a good reason to sin. If you're looking for a righteous reason to sin, think again. Don't ever equivocate the ungodly things that we do because of what we fear is going to happen to us in our future. Trust God, serve Him. And follow his word. I hope you take the time. If you weren't there on Sunday. To listen to Sunday's message. Because I did a whole lot better job. Of communicating it there. All right, Have a great day. Missed you. Hope to see you soon. May the Lord be with you. Thank you for your prayers for me. And your kindness for the loss of my mother. Bye.